Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Doug Krisner in New York, 47 past the hour. Let's get you caught up on market action. Before we do, just to recap what we heard uh, within the hour, the U.S. Treasury sanctioning some Chinese institutions and individuals with ties to North Korea. The U.S. has cut off China's bank, Dandong, from the U.S. financial system. A shipping company also sanctioned for delivering products that were prohibited to North Korea from China. Well, the theme of the day, renewed selling in tech. And, Carol Masser, I figured out what's going on. It's all because today is the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. Ah. Ah, yeah. Apple shares down about 2% right now, and that's helping to lead the NASDAQ composite weaker by about 1.7%. Dow Industrials minus 8 tenths of 1%. S&P 500 weaker by about 9 tenths of 1%. In spite of the weakness, still some positivity in many of the big banks after they've passed the second part of the Fed stress test. And so now they can increase dividends, and they have done so, and they've also made plans to buy back stock. The S&P 500 financials index better by about eight-tenths of one percent. Another thing that is positive for the banks, a little bit of slope to the yield curve. U.S. 10-year Treasury is up about four basis points right now. We've got a yield at 2.26 percent. Carol, over to you. You know what I never leave home without? What? My iPhone. I knew it. See? Doug Krisner, thank you so much. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets, 1148 in the Bay Area and 248 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Megan McCardle, a columnist for Bloomberg View. Washington, D.C. real estate prices have skyrocketed. That's a problem for our legislators who make nice but not astounding six-figure incomes. The rising expense of keeping two houses has driven some of them to sleep on cots in their offices. And retiring representative Jason Chaffetz is suggesting that maybe voters should give them a housing allowance, restoring the dignity of the office by enabling its occupant to sleep somewhere else. But there's a better solution. After all, D.C. real estate costs so much because of onerous restrictions on heightened density that artificially restrict the housing supply. Since Congress ultimately controls Washington, D.C., courageous congressmen could cut through that tangle of laws and regulations. They'd do something good for themselves and for the lower and middle class Washingtonians who, like our legislators, are being priced out of the housing market. To be sure, you'd hear the NIMBY screams all the way to Capitol Hill. But if the screaming causes their courage to waver, those congressmen have a ready tonic available. Just go to the corner of their offices and take a long, hard look at that cot. I'm Megan McCardle, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more commentary, go to BloombergView.com or view Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, also at 5.48 a.m., 8.48 a.m., 11.48 a.m. Wall Street time right here on Bloomberg Radio. Our next guest definitely survived and lived through the global financial crisis like most of us, but uh, just before it, having one of her own. And she's written a book about it. Here to tell her story, Janet Lombardi, author of Bankruptcy, A Love Story, a memoir. Nice to have you here on Bloomberg Radio. Thanks for having me. I mentioned, you know, living through the financial crisis, but you had your own financial crisis. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Sure. It actually just preceded the financial crisis that the country was getting ready to experience, but that the country didn't know that they were about to experience. So we had a little prelude. Um, Well, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. In December of 2010, my attorney husband, at the point of 28 years, went to uh, state prison for a white-collar crime. He had uh, stolen money from his client's escrow, 
and there and that is kind of the dramatic part of the story but there's the whole host of events kind of string of events that were leading up to that and the book is really about all of those events that precede something dramatic in one's life because when something kind of a crisis in this in our case was a financial crisis happens right it's never one thing it's always a collusion of circumstances so it's like the financial crisis exactly the, the, the bigger grander one if you will exactly so there were a string of events that were leading up to that and including um i had a relationship with a, a, a woman in my office um my husband's uh had a growing uh, uh drug problem that i didn't know about he had mounting debt and kind of all these things were coming together to end. And the, the bit, probably the precipitating factor was that he was an eyewitness to the collapse of the World Trade Center. Hmm. So in 2001, his office was on John Street, and he watched all of that. And he was never quite the same, honestly, after that. His business started to tank, as many businesses did in the mm-hmm. area. And he got kind of desperate. And, and also, to cover up the post-traumatic stress... You know, he started to ratchet up a drug problem. So that's. So to put it in the words of the description uh, of your of your book, Bankruptcy, A Love Story, addiction, financial collapse, sexual desire, and squandered love. There's a lot of juicy stuff <laughs> yes. in there. Um, I'm curious about the – and I love the idea that you're sort of um, exploring the ramifications of the of, – on a very personal level of what happens when, you know, markets collapse and there's big events like this. I mean, um, when you found out that this money had basically been emptied from your account, uh, what was the first thing that came through your mind? Well, the, the first thing that came to my mind was that something was obviously very wrong because before that, I hadn't really understood the, the, the enormity of this. So I went to my financial advisor and he told me that my husband had been emptying his accounts. So to me, that was a kind of a watershed moment because yeah. that was right in front of my face and I could no longer ignore it. It was really frightening because I knew that something was wrong and I didn't know if there was somebody kind of you know, looking for money from him. And I felt really sad that he didn't come to me. And, but, you know, he hadn't really come to me with, with much at that point because he was hiding a lot of secrets. See that, I think Carol, that's the opposite of my problem. I get suspicious when I don't get the weekly reminder from Bank of America that my account dropped below a certain time. <laughs> uh, Oliver, someday they'll write your life story too, or you will. Um, what's interesting is, uh, I think about people listening I feel like there's so many lessons maybe through your book, but I'm curious in the financial one. I mean, when you found that, did you Mm -hmm. confront your husband when you realized and what happened? Well, I actually took about a day or so to confront him because I wanted to pull myself together and um, put the shotgun away. No, I'm just no, no, put the shotgun away. It's funny because I had this idea in my head that it was like the song "The Weight" by the band. When I then you put the load on me. Now I I knew that something was wrong, and so. I was being pulled into a circumstance that I had to fix. Um, so I did confront him. He told me that he was basically out of money. And I still, and we were out of money. And we were out of money. This, right. Exactly. We were out of money. So things were, you know, kind of rolling along almost like on, um, on uh, parallel tracks. Right. So I did tell him and he, you know, I, I still thought at that point that he was going to fix it. 
And I, I so then I took a, a huge dive into the financials of our lives, which I had never done before. Lesson number one. And that's a big one. I, I can't tell you how many times I've actually moderated panels um, for women specifically who, you know, all of a sudden they get a divorce and they're like, you know, they don't get anything or they're and they're like, well, you signed these documents. What do you mean? I don't remember signing these documents. And they just didn't read financials mm-hmm. or weren't aware of what was going on financially within their relationship. Right. Right. I had never done that kind of financial dive. Unfortunately, I was doing it at the back end of it. So I was seeing what was wrong. And there was a lot wrong. There was a lot of, you know, obviously there were a couple hundred thousand dollars of debt that my husband had. There was a business account that had my name attached to it that I ended up um, paying off. I had never even known of the account or, or spent a dime of it, but ended up, you know, paying it off. So there were a lot of surprises, and they kept kind of unfolding because by the point when I saw that the financials were, were kind of wrecked, I also didn't have any idea of what was to come, which was eventual prosecution because he had, um, you know, gone into his his uh, attorney's uh, escrow accounts of his mm-hmm. clients. And the same thing, you know, uh, I, I, I want to, you know, say that he was just kind of got desperate. And when people get desperate, they do, you know, kind of crazy things. In his case, you know, he committed a crime and he went to prison. But people, you know, as you know, have often gone down a very scary road. Just got like 10 seconds here. What do you hope people take away from this book? Just quickly. That it's very important to be financially aware without actually seeing numbers on the page. You really can't. Uh, crawl from the wreckage, as I say. Right. So you need to to pay attention to that and, and be brave. Thank you for telling your story. Nice to have you here. Janet Lombardi, author of Bankruptcy, A Love Story. The book is out. Check it out, everybody. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio.